Uh, um, so how much is that? And welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, the only business show for podcast editors. I'm your host, Carrie Caulfield. Eric from Yaya Podcasting. And here with me today, I have... Brian Enspinger, TopTierAudio.com. Glad to be here. And to my, whichever side Daniel's on, I can't tell. <laughs> my name is Daniel Avendroth, and you can find me at RothMedia.audio. Our special guest for this episode is Carol Lynn Rivera. And you might know her as the wife of the ever-famous Ralph M. Rivera, whose name you have to say fully every time you talk about him. And Carolyn is the CEO of the Podcasters Toolbox, a fabulous resource for managing the production pieces of your show, like a project manager designed specifically for podcasters. Carolyn has founded several different companies in her career. So you guys use the Profit First uh, financial management system, which is super exciting because I have been hearing about this book for like weeks and weeks and weeks. Everybody keeps talking about how life-changing it is. So I thought, I'm going to buy it. And I started reading it, and this week I set up my system. Why don't we start off with you sharing why you decided you needed this framework for your business, and how long have you been using the system? At the end of the day, most people, like us included, um, and by the way, I'll just go back for a second and say that um, Ralph and I have been running businesses for 25-ish years. So we, we incorporated our first official business in 1999 and we're still running it today. Um, and that was the one where we made all the mistakes. <laughs> That's the one where we bought all the things and we invested in all the software licenses and we bought all this, you know, office furniture and the stuff that we thought we needed. And then we went into debt and then we paid that debt and then we went into more debt. And then, you know, at some point we realized, my God, this business really needs to make some money. Um, so it, it was, I guess, within the past maybe 10 or so years that when we started, you know, a couple of new businesses that we were introduced to profit first and we thought this is way better. <laughs> you know, this is just, it was just a mindset shift where you say to yourself, all right, this is a thing that I need to do because I actually want to make money instead of be in debt and keep pouring the money back into my business. So we decided to just adopt that uh, going forward, and we have not changed a thing since. I, I think Ralph told me that he's given away more copies than he's ever actually touched. So. Yeah, pretty much. Everybody who he talked to, he says, do you have a copy of Profit First? And then he sends one immediately. <laughs> I kind of feel like we should be affiliates. <laughs> what is it that, because you mentioned you were pouring all your money in, then you read Profit First, and now your businesses are making money. What is it about that framework or that methodology that's different from traditional accounting or traditional bookkeeping or whatever business management that you would use that makes it actually work for you? Well, it's not that it helps you make more money per se. It's just that it helps you allocate your money more effectively so that you can use it more effectively and thus make more money. Um, but traditionally, accounting works where you take your your sales, you subtract your expenses, and you're left with your profit. And this flips that around where you start with your sales, you subtract your profit, and you're left with your expenses. Meaning that if you don't have any money left at the end of that equation, you have to cut the expenses, not the profit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I see nodding, but processing. Yeah, it's just a simple shift, a different equation. Yeah, it's very simple at its core. The, the idea is that instead of taking all the money you make and putting it back into the business, you're actually giving it to yourself. And then what's left after that can go into the business. 
And usually we do it the other way around. And this is exactly what we did with our first business, which is you make some money and then you say, yay, I have some money. I'm going to buy a new desk. But, you know, you didn't actually make any money. You just have a new desk, <laughs> you know. And I know that's like a simple example, but, uh, you know, it, it goes for anything, paying contractors, buying equipment, paying for licenses. You know, we're talking to editors tonight. So there's no end to the number of plugins that you can buy and software that you can try. And, you know, how many times do you hear, oh, well, this plugin is on sales for $20 this week. And then you rush out and buy it. But that's $20 that you could have gone out and had a beer with, you know, or, or given to yourself instead of putting back into the business. And it just shifts your mindset in a really simple way to your point, Carrie, that, you you just think about how the things that you would normally be putting into your business really should be yours. And you probably don't need that extra plugin. You know, you probably don't really need a contractor. You know, if you had to work an extra hour on a Saturday, you could swing it. So there are a lot of things that we that we spend money on that you realize you can kind of do without. And with our um, original business, the the one that we were not running on Profit First, we ran Profit First on it when I first read the book. And instantly, and I'm not kidding, like the first chapter I, I got through, here's how you run profit first. And there was, I found $3,000 that I was like, nope, don't need to spend it. Wasn't painful. Didn't have to think about it. Didn't have to cut anything out where I was like, oh my gosh, that's hard. And that's without trying. So imagine now sitting down and trying and figuring out, do I really need to put this money back into my business? So it's just simple mindset shift, but huge difference. So it sounds like the key to being successful, this is not to be friends with Chris Curran, where he talks about plugins for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Don't let the sales tempt you. <laughs> oh, they do. They do. They know They know me. Facebook knows me. It's, it's rough. The Profit First system is really saying if you don't have the money in your expense account, you can't spend it. I'll give you an example. I'm actually, I've just started another business with another partner it's a software-based business. And he asked me, are you going to need money for advertising? And I said, do we have money for advertising? And he said, no. And I said, then no, <laughs> you know, well, don't you want to do Facebook ads? Well, do I have money for Facebook ads? <laughs> no, then no. You know, in a perfect world, would it be really great if I could pour a couple hundred bucks into Facebook ads, a couple thousand dollars, and then sell this software and get it out there? Sure. But the money has to come from somewhere. And at the end of the day, it's either going to come out of your pocket or if you're following profit first, you're going to wait till you make that first dollar on the business. Then you're going to, you know, allocate that accordingly. You get some and the business gets some, but the business never gets it all. And I feel like we should stop right here and remind everybody traditional accounting is sales minus expenses equals profit. Profit first shifts that model. Sales. Minus profit leaves you with what you have left for expenses, right? Right. The difference is, I think, traditional accounting is descriptive. It tells you what did happen. Profit first is prescriptive in the sense that it says this is what you have that you can spend. Of course, it's still up to you to actually have the self-control to not buy the new plug-in as I shade, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you know, right? That's, right. Well, one of the interesting things about Profit First is the premise is that you don't just have a bucket of money that you then decide what to do with. You actually uh, allocate money into different accounts. You have your operating expense account. You have your profit account. You have your owner's compensation account, which is the equivalent of a salary. And then you have a tax account. So with those four different accounts, you allocate a certain percentage to each one. And he gives you recommendations for what that percentage should be, could be. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's up to you to, to make those kind of decisions. But you then put money into those accounts so that you know what you have and you know what you have to spend and you know what you have to earn. And he actually says, don't even put it all in the same account because you could, theoretically, you could do this all on paper. You could do it in a spreadsheet. You could do it in an accounting system. But what he says is open them as separate bank accounts. So what you, you start with one income account and then you have your other four distribution accounts. So all of your sales go into the income. That's your bucket of money. And then from there, they go out into your owner's comp, taxes, uh, we'll see on profit and operating expenses. So when you 
actually go online and look at your bank account and you look at the balance, you're going to see, oh, my operating expenses has $3 in it. Guess that's what I could spend on Facebook advertising, (laughs) you know? So if you have all of that in one bucket, of course, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, oh, look, I have $100,000. This is great. I'm going to invest it in this and spend it on that. But if you spread it out the way you're supposed to, then you're only going to see the piece that's allocated for that thing. So partly it's like psychological games too, you know, it's, it's really working with kind of your human nature more than it is about accounting. And I think when it comes to profit and the taxes, he does say in the book to make those accounts hard to access. So it's hard to get the money. So you don't order that debit card with the account or you put it in a whole other bank and you just make it very difficult to withdraw the money so that it stays there and you're not tempted to be like, I'm just going to borrow some money from that account because we will do that. It's human nature. You see like, well, I have this money over here and I could pull it and do this thing I want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And he does say, don't even link the accounts up so that, you know, you, you can't, you can't be, just draw from your profits and throw it into your operating expenses. That's not how it should work. <laughs> so Daniel. I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't know how you do your accounting. I've never asked you if you did profit first. So I haven't put much thought into how I handle. I guess I have. And I feel like I'm. No, wait, let's unpack that for a second. Because I feel like what a lot of entrepreneurs get into, they put a lot of thought into everything else. But we're not accountants. And so we're we just like put money in a bank account. Then we just pay stuff out. And I think that's kind of like an honest sentiment. That's how I was. And that's my natural habit. I didn't think about it. I'm just like, oh, money. Yeah. And we've actually, my wife and I, so we run the company together. Um, She's my partner in this. So we kind of had a meeting uh, a couple months ago to kind of like restructure how we do our finances. So originally I opened a business account with Capital One. It was checking and savings. And then recently, my accounting software, Wave, got into banking. So now I have a checking account through Wave and then my Capital One checking and savings. So I have three, like, physical accounts. And then my checking account with Capital One, and I have a spreadsheet, and that's split up between our paycheck. So, whenever, like, on the first of the month, I do my billing. We get a large influx of money. I put how much we're going to make that month into that account. And that's what we pay, uh, I pay ourselves with. So it kind of is profit first and that like I do set aside our paychecks from the beginning. So that money split between the paychecks and then also what I call our toys account. And so that, that money is kind of set aside to like, if I do want a new plugin or something, the money has to be there first. And then we also save up there in order to buy like a computer or larger expenses. And then my... Capital One savings account is split between taxes and emergency fund. And then the wave account is everything else. That's where I pay my contractors, all of my bills for the business, all that comes out of wave. So listening to us talk about profit first, does it sound similar to what you're doing? How do you feel about what we're saying? I feel like that's kind of what I've been. I feel like I'm on the on the hot seat now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Oh. But I feel like that's kind of what I've been doing. And more um, because like this has been my sole or, you know, my wife and I are sole income for a year and a half now. And this has been my full time job for coming on three years now. And so, like, there's always been, like, the mindset, like, I have to make sure that we cover our expenses. But, so I pay ourselves, like, a set amount, but then I still leave money in the business for whatever. So I'm wondering if I should start actually paying ourselves more and leaving less in the company. But still set aside, like, obviously, tax money is being set aside, other kind of, like, saving up for fun or whatever. I guess I'm just kind of curious, like, what I should be doing differently. Well, do you have an actual profit account that where you take not just salary, but actual dividends? No. So that would be something different. Yeah. So I have the salary account, which is like salary and toys. And then the wave checking, which is just kind of money that sits there. Not really doing anything. So here's a question, Carolyn. 
we're talking about profit first. But what do you do with the profit? Like, it does it just sit there forever in the bank? Well, no, you, of course not. You take the profit. <laughs> you actually take distributions from the profit. So some of them are self-explanatory. Obviously, the operating expense account is what you can use to invest back in the business. Your tax account is set aside. Uh, it's basically like a tax withholding for any of the owners of the business so that, you know, how, how many people start a business or run their own business and then, you know, tax season comes along and you get hit with this bill and you're like, oh, how am I going to cover this thing? So that prevents that. Um, so at the end of the year, we all get a nice big fat check to cover the tax bill that's going to come in. Um, and then your owner's pay is your salary, like you were talking about, um, Daniel. And then your profit is just your dividends, which you then distribute quarterly. So every quarter you take your profit out of your profit account and that gets distributed among whoever the owners are. If there's one person, you get all the profit. If there's two people, whatever, or whatever your equity um, situation is. What you do with it has to be later in the book. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, so yeah. Well, that's the key is the, the profit is kind of like the icing, you know? So it's, that's what you get for being a business owner. You're, you're not in business so that you can, you know, just slave at a desk all day. <laughs> you want to actually make some money, right? So that's your, that's your cherry on the cake. That's your, your quarterly dividends. And, you know, like I said, he gives you in the book, he gives you percentages for, that are recommendations for what you should be putting in each account. And the premise is like when you start, let's say you're starting a business or you're you know in business by yourself, you are going to be doing most of the work. You're not going to be able to hire someone right out of the gate. But as you make more money, you may hire a contractor and you may take a back seat. So maybe you're not working in the business at all anymore. Maybe you're just on an island in Bali somewhere and you're having a grand old time, but the business is still running. That doesn't mean you don't get paid. It just means you don't get a salary because you're not working in the business, but you still get your profit. So every quarter you still get those dividends. In fact, um, Ralph M. Rivera was recently a partner in a business where he worked in the business for a couple of years and then for the next few years, you know, they hired people and the business ran itself and he didn't know anything about it on a day-to-day -day basis, except once every quarter, we got a check. That was all we needed to know. <laughs> and that's what came out of the profit account. So that's ideally where your profit is going to come from. So with the traditional equation of sales minus expenses equals profit, like that, you know, it just makes logical sense in that um, you have your set expenses, so what's left over you just get. So with the profit first method, how do you determine what your profit is? Because like I think it'd be easy to take, hey, like I made ten thousand dollars this month, I'm gonna take ten thousand dollars profit. Like, how do you determine how much you take? Well, that's where the percentages in the book come in. So he gives you recommendations where if you are making less than $250,000 a year, you take 5% of that for your profit account. You get 50% of that for your salary. Why? Because if you're not making much money, you're probably doing most of the work. So you should get most of the salary, right? If you're making, and I won't read them all, but for example, if you're making $10 million a year, <laughs> wouldn't we all like to be making that? <laughs> your profit should be, or sh I say should, but obviously these are, these are his percentages, uh, 17%. So you have to start somewhere and starting with his recommendations is as good a place as any, but with our businesses, we evaluate that every quarter. So for example, he may say use 30% for your operating expenses, but if the, at the end of the quarter, we have a bazillion dollars in operating expenses and we really don't have anything to spend it on, then we may change that percentage and say, well, we're accumulating a lot of money in there, but we don't really have any operating expenses because we're doing all the work and we don't need any resources. We're not building a house. We don't need to go buy lumber or something like that. Let's reconsider that. Maybe we don't need 30%. Maybe we only need 25%. So I would recommend just Start with what he says, you know, because you have to start somewhere and you don't want it to be overwhelming and complicated. You just want to get in and do it. So go by what he says and then see what happens. And next quarter, look at what's in your account and go, wow, I have a ton of money in this account and none over here. So I, I really, 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 really need that plug-in. So I'm going to allocate a little more to operating expenses and a little less to my salary, you know, so that's up to you to adjust as you go. One of the things that I've been kind of wondering is as I think about 
this particular methodology. I think it's really powerful, and I've tried to apply it myself, although not nearly as well as you have, apparently, because I keep buying stuff. And that makes me wonder if we... And this is actually a question for the group, so I'll throw us all under the bus. If we actually followed the methodology and the money wasn't in the right account and wasn't available, what um, questionable decision might that have kept us from from going through with? And I'll go first, since it's my question, and it's only fair that I jump under the bus first. Um, toward the end of last year, there was a, a lifetime purchase deal on some online funnel software which would be similar to like ClickFunnels or something like that, but it was a one-time purchase. And I thought, well, I know what the competition costs. And if I ever did get into a business model that has that, no, read into that, right? If I ever get into a business model that has that, I don't have one, then that would be valuable. And so because I didn't really pay attention to the percentages and because I've not been taking distributions because I'm putting money aside for runway, the money was there. And so I spent it. And um, Ralph wants to know if he can ask you for a date. I don't know. Is that covered with your... Well, first off, I think Carolyn's actually married. So Ralph, you may have to talk to her her husband about that. That's a good answer, Brian. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Ask him how much he's got in his profit account and we can talk. So I don't know who's next, but I I threw me under the bus. So as you think about this, is there some crazy purchase this would have saved you from? There's so much stuff I don't need, like this microphone. But I tell myself, because I have a client who's having issues with it, I should get it. The Rodecaster Pro I didn't need. I mean, it's just gear, right? I don't need it. I have plenty. And yeah, basically everything that when we get together on these uh, off-recording nights, Thursday nights, we're looking at AppSumo. But now I have this operating expense account that if, if there's not money for it, I don't get it. And so that makes it easier to make decisions. I don't I don't know if <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Which means to Ralph's point you've got more to spend on the things you actually do want, right? I guess for those that are listening later, Ralph uh, left a comment the goal is to make money so you can spend it so not to not spend money. So worthwhile comment. So I feel like I kind of derailed this with that last question. So I'll let somebody else <laughs> talk. Are about. we still <laughs> Whoever, you're the host, Karen. Take, take, take back okay. the reins. I'm off the rails here. So let's talk a little bit more about the implementation of this system. First of all, I imagine there are two cases. One where you're starting it on as a brand new business. And then the other when you've been doing business for a while and you're like, hold on, something needs to change. I need a new system. And you're looking at profit first. So let's talk about when we first start our businesses, because I'm sure there are a lot of editors out there or want to be editors who aren't really sure how to get started. Do you absolutely have to buy the book to do this system? Let's start there. I think you, well, if you can't buy the $20 book, then you probably have bigger problems. But I would say you really should read the book just because there are principles. It's not complicated, but there are principles that are important to understand and important to understand how to implement. And it's not, it's not fluff. Like there's not, it's not just a a kind of fluffy, feel good. You're going to make money book. It actually has really good practical stuff in it and it has worksheets and it has formulas and it has stuff that will walk you through it. So, um, it's really helpful. I would say, If you want to fake it, you could try it. But if you want to do it right, learn it. (laughs) And by the way, this doesn't imply that you have to do it all or you have to do it all yourself because, you know, we have an accountant and we don't do it without our accountants. (laughs) You know, we have we have support when it comes to, you know, bookkeeping and and obviously tax filings and moving money around. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to do this all on your own. So definitely buy the book is the suggestion. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and I don't even think it's that much. I don't even think I paid $20 for it. I think it's like 15 now. Yeah, I'm sure you just get it on Kindle or something for like five bucks. <laughs> yeah, the Kindle version is like eight bucks. Or yeah. you can get uh, a free Audible account and you get the, get the book for free. So what about when you've already been running your business? When should you get this book? When should you read it? When should you implement the system? I mean, it's, is it something you do at the beginning of a quarter? Can you just start whenever? Is there any kind of timing? Is timing important? Do you want to start making money now or in six months? No, I just want to start making it right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start it right now. (laughs) Actually, yeah, he does mention that at some point. He said, you can start it whenever you want, by the way. You can start it at the beginning of your business. You can start it 
20 years in like we did um, on the other one of our businesses. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when, as long as you do it. He mentions that whenever you do start it, set up a system where you're going to do your distributions on a schedule, basically, and start that schedule on the 15th of the month. If you don't start implementing profit first until the 12th of the month, you still do your distributions on the 15th. So whatever that system is, follow it no matter what. So start at any time and just follow the system. Okay. So distribution. Let's talk about that then. So what is the actual rhythm of that schedule look like? Once a month, you take, you, you go to your accounts, you look at your sales, you distribute them out to your, when I say distributions, I realized that there was two connotations there. One that was the profit distributions and the other is the distributions to the accounts. So when you get everything, when you get your big bucket of money with all your sales, you need to distribute that money into your various accounts. So you do that twice, well, you do that twice a month, really, because you want to pay your owners, your owners get paid typically. And again, this is partly up to how you want to run things, but we pay people every two weeks. So in the beginning of the month, in the middle of the month. So yeah, that's the point is that you, you follow a schedule, you take the money out of the bucket, you put it into its appropriate accounts and you distribute it as appropriate. So here's the thing that comes up for me is that when you use a payment processor like PayPal or Stripe, well, Stripe can automatically put it in your bank account. But PayPal does not like to do that. PayPal is is not a play nice with other system. So I don't know if you use PayPal, but one question I had is like, what do I do? Do I just leave the money in PayPal and just wait to distribute it? Or do I? No, don't leave it there. Everything goes into your income. You need it. You need a top level income account. That's your bucket, your bucket of money. Everything goes in the bucket of money. So all your PayPal stuff should go in there. Because it makes me feel like then I need to distribute all of the money and interrupts the rhythm of distribution that he talks about in the book. Yeah. So that's just something you need to work into your system. Maybe you do that a day before too. I don't know how long it takes to transfer money in or what the lag time is, but. So there's, there's two ways. One is just a standard transfer, which is like a bank transfer. And then the other is a nice little instant transfer they charge you for. Of course they do. Yeah. So for yeah. convenience. Yeah. Just build in a couple extra days. It's, it's not terrible. I mean, I'd rather do that. Or, or at least I would than give money to PayPal. That should be in my pocket. <laughs> you know, I, I can wait three days as opposed to paying them an extra fee. Yeah. I guess if like financially, I'm that person that checks stats every day for my podcast, I check stats every day for my money. And it's going to be a hard habit to break. I think he says specifically in the book not to do that because that's the habit. That's the problem. It kind of leads us into this, oh, I see all this money. Now I can spend it immediately. So if you check your bank account more often, does that make your bank account grow like it makes my podcast stats increase? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you need to have different accounts. That's the important thing, because if it's all in one account, you're going to see that one big number. You're going to be checking that every day and your brain is not going to go, oh, well, 50% of that is really for, you know, operating expenses and 10 is for taxes. You're not going to do that. Your brain's just not going to do that. So. But maybe I shouldn't have all this money in like one bank because they gave me a total balance of all my accounts, my business and my personal accounts, which is probably an argument for having separate banks. I feel like I need profit first therapy. (laughs) Yes, but I charge a fee. Yeah, I'll need to (laughs) consult my operating expenses to see if I have that in the budget. I was going to say, does it fit into your operating expenses? (laughs) That's right. See? Very good. (laughs) Yeah. So this has been good because I've been kind of trying to run profit first-ish for a while, but I've been running it in four accounts because I... I have my income account and then I typically run my operating expenses mm-hmm. out of that same account. And then I have a couple of others for the other stuff. And I can see where that's probably gotten me a little bit sideways. So I think this has been good for me to kind of go back to those roots. And to be fair, I haven't actually read the book, but I did listen to three interviews where Mike was on. And so I'm pretty sure that I've already mastered it. <laughs> this makes four now. So the one thing that comes up for me is like hearing you say that your income account, it should be empty most of the time. That feels me like, I feel anxiety from that because like looking at my 
like the bank account. So like I was mentioning earlier, my wave account, like there is a sense of security in having, you know, some money there. But now you're telling me like, I need to like disperse that. So I know that's something that I'm going to have to kind of work my way, my brain around. See, but that's a false sense of security because that money's not really there. That money is already gone for some of it's for taxes, some of it's for bills, you know, so your income is just what you take in from your sales. And it's not going to necessarily be empty. All, or you don't, certainly don't want it to be empty all the time, but you're going to be taking everything out of it at some point and then building it back up as you get more income. But it's the money's not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> the money still exists. It's just that it's distributed in different accounts. And you have, like we all have, this kind of, you know, you look at that big number and you go, I have all this money, but you really don't because some of it belongs to other people. <laughs> You know, it belongs to it belongs to your mortgage company at some point and it belongs to your credit card bill and it belongs to Uncle Sam and you can't not pay that stuff. So when you're looking at even if you're looking at fifty dollars, it's not all your fifty dollars, you know, it's still it's still going out to other other places. So having your actual salary account, your owner's compensation account, that's really your salary. That's what you're making. If you were going to work for another company, that's the money you would take home, right? You wouldn't see all of the billions of dollars they make on the back end because that goes to different things. Um, it just so happens that you're the one running this company. So you need to take that chunk out for yourself for salary and then put the rest of it where it needs to go. Um, but you can look at that salary account and know, hey, I'm, I'm making X amount of dollars this year. And then as your business total revenue increases, your salary will also increase. Well, assuming that you're still working in the business. So one of the things I've been wondering about this, because I've kind of looked at the table that he has, um, and it could seem like some of those percentages seem a little bit arbitrary. For example, if you follow it exactly um, up to $100,000 a year, you get a certain amount of money or a certain percentage, and then at, at two fifty, So you could make the case that once you reach that break point, you actually start taking home less, even though you've made $1 more. Is there some kind of, like, is there some intelligence that goes to that? Or do you just say, this is the percentage, that's what we're going to do? Yeah, I don't know exactly what his rationale is for those. If I read it, I've since forgotten it. <laughs> but I think it goes back to reevaluating that for yourself every quarter. Um, it makes sense conceptually. So the idea is that in the beginning, um, whether you're starting a new business or you're running, let's say, profit first on a business that you've had for a while and you don't really know what your profits are, you don't you probably don't even know what your expenses are you know, other than whatever you see on any given credit card bill. Um, so once you actually have the numbers in front of you, then you have to start somewhere and you are probably going to have a, a low profit at that point, just because you don't really know what's happening yet. Um, however, you are going to be, like I said, probably doing most of the work, especially if it's, you know, if you're the only one working in the business or if you're just starting and as the person doing most of the work, you need to be compensated for that, which is why your salary is higher. So your owner's compensation is higher. But as the business makes more money, the percentage of owner compensation decreases, which sounds counterintuitive to your point. But the premise is that as the business makes more money, you're not going to be doing all the work. You're going to hire someone. So you need more money to go towards salary for that person. You're going to draw less salary because you're not going to be doing the work but you're going to be getting more profit. Makes sense. <laughs> right. Because you get that quarterly disbursement from your profit account right. into your, wait, where do you disperse that money? What account? Um, it's waves.com, I think. Is <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll just to be perfectly like just uncomplicated about this. If you're just starting profit first, it's probably because you're not making the money you want to, or you want to be making more and spending less. Something is not quite right, right? If you're making a bazillion dollars and you're thrilled with the situation, you're not going to pick up the, this book and go, oh, let me see what I can do. Because you're probably not even going to think about it. Anybody who's listening to this or thinking about doing profit first is going, how do I make more money, right? When you're starting this, just worry about what you're doing now. Don't worry about 
what happens if I'm making all this money and then my owner's compensation is going down and how am I going to make my, if you're making that much money, worry about it then. <laughs> right now, don't worry about that. And I, I realize that it may seem a little bit arbitrary to say, well, I'm, I'm making 50% compensation now, but I'm only going to be making 5% then. How does that work? Don't worry about that now because you're not making $10 million. That's <laughs> not your problem right now. When you're making $10 million, when your business scales to that point, and that's something you need to think about, that's when you can think about it. But I think we kind of get bogged down into trying to figure out all the particulars of what we could possibly ever conceivably make or not make or have to do. And all you have to worry about is what you're doing right now. Start with a formula and go. It's really just that simple. <laughs> so we got an interesting comment on Facebook. Ralph M. Rivera wanted to ask you the difference between revenue and real revenue. Well, there's your top line revenue, which is basically your bucket of money, which is like all of your sales. And then your real revenue is what you are actually making after any kind of fees are subtracted. So usually for at least for us and maybe for a lot of uh, your folks, um, you're using things like Stripe or PayPal and they're taking cut of that. So you may be charging, you know, let's say you're charging somebody $100, but if they pay you with PayPal, your revenue may be $100, but your real revenue is 97 because PayPal is getting a piece of that. So Brian's looking confused. Well, I was just wondering. So I, I think conceptually I get that, right? It's basically gross receipts minus the expense of having that receipt. Are there any other costs that might go into that bucket of before it's real revenue? Or is it only like credit card transactions? For our purposes, for anybody, you know, doing what, what we collectively do, it would really be just something like that. If you were in the construction business and you knew that in order to build a house, you had to buy, you know, like 10 yards of lumber and 16 nails, you know, that goes into your materials and uh, expenses of that nature. So that's something you're always going to have to, you, you can't build a house without your lumber and your nails, right? Um, for us, we can't perform our services without a strike tra transaction, Everything else is just operating expenses. So paying your contractors, paying your employees, buying your computers, buying your plugins, all that's operating expenses. So the the only thing that would come out of your top line revenue and then translate into your real revenue were the things like the credit card transactions. Thank you, Ralph M. Rivera. But I, I'm, in, I'm a little confused then because materials and contractors, but not our contractors? Like, Yeah, he... There's a weird line that he draws that is not really relevant okay. to what we do. So I kind of don't even bother paying much attention to it. For our purposes, our contractors get paid for out of operating expenses, our meaning collectively. So your editors, you hire a subcontractor, you'd pay that person out of your operating expenses. Ralph is disagreeing with me. Your real revenue <laughs> well, is after. No, contractors come out of your operating <laughs> expenses. Your contractors, not for us. For our purposes, our contractors are a part of our operating expenses. At, at this rate, I don't think Ralph is going to be able to ask our guest out on a date. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if right. you're joining us late, they're married. So <laughs> it's not quite that weird. So I can see like both sides of it because like, so I offer show notes and transcripts, but all that is outsourced. And so I don't like in order to offer transcripts, I have to pay somebody to do it. So I can see how that would come out of, you know, the gross revenue. But then like you were saying earlier, for simplicity's sake, you know, we don't want to complicate this more than we need to. So I could see how the benefit yeah. of, operating expense, you know, paying them out of operating expense would make. So could you, then here's where we can draw a distinction. Could you do the translation services without a contractor? In other words, could you do it yourself? Conceivably, yes, but realistically, no, because I don't have the mental capacity to stand doing that. Okay. Well, that's different. So if you said to me, here's what I think, uh, and Ralph can, Ralph can disagree with me anytime he feels like <laughs> Um, <laughs> if you said I need to hire someone to do the trans, uh, the transcripts because I just hate that and I can't, and I don't want to, then that is a choice. You can suck it up because you don't have the revenue to do that, or 
you can take it out of your pocket. If you said to me, in order to run this business effectively, I have to translate my transcripts into Spanish and I don't speak Spanish and there's no way I could conceivably do that and offer that service. So I have to pay someone. Then you can put that into your materials and contractors as I know for a fact that every month I'm going to have to pay out $100 to my contractors to do this Spanish translation as opposed to I just don't want to because I don't like it. Where I'm kind of sitting right now on this, because I've kind of gone back and forth, and it's my fault we're having this part of the conversation because I opened up the can of worms. Um, but as I'm thinking about this, I'm going, okay, uh, if we put contractors above what we're considering our our modified top line, the real revenue, then that means that as a business owner, you take home, let's say, 50% of a smaller amount. If yes. you want to take home more, you put the contractors below that line, so they have to fit into your OPEX portion, and then you take home that 50%. If you put them above the line, then you're taking home 50% or whatever it is of a smaller amount, but you don't have to account for them in your operating expenses. Correct. I want 50% of a bigger number. So I've, I'm back <laughs> on the other side of the fence because <laughs> I want the bigger number. Yeah. I mean, there's different kinds of examples that he gives in the book. And one of them that he uses often is like the the analogy of, of being like a home contractor, which kind of fits that model where materials and contractors kind of have to go into that. You know that you, you're going to sell this house for $100,000, but in order to get to that point, you've got to buy $25,000 worth of materials and pay some guy $25,000 to pour the foundation. So that the house is not getting built otherwise. So those are your materials and contractors. But for our businesses, and I think probably for most of your businesses, you can probably do most of it on your own if you really needed to, because, you know, if you don't, if you don't have the revenue to pay someone, then as a startup, as a, uh, an entrepreneur, as a self-employed person, you're the one who's going to do it. So your contractors, then once you have the money to pay them, you pay them out of those operating expenses, as Brian mentioned. That's an optional expense. That's not a required expense. I know when we started, we didn't have contractors. Or at least I don't think we did. No. I know I certainly didn't. I, did, I didn't offer I did the transcripts. <laughs> I did everything. I wasn't charging enough to outsource any of that. And of course, if... I want more profit. I've got to do more myself. Well, that's a that's a choice too, which is offering the service versus not offering the service. So, so I think the answer is obvious, but just for the sake of over explanation, uh, which re revenue or real revenue, which is the number that you use in order to dis uh, disperse or come up with like the fifty percent or whatnot? Real revenue. So the revenue after the transactional costs, right? So we're coming to the end here, and this has been so enlightening, and I feel like I do need some profit therapy. But, <laughs> Carolyn, why don't you tell us a little bit about Podcasters Toolbox, how it can help our clients, how it can help us as podcasters, as editors, and give us a skinny on what's up next for Podcasters Toolbox. Well, Podcasters Toolbox, I'll tell you the what's up next, which is that we're planning our launch for, like I said, the end of this year. And that's been through a few iterations already. Um, but it's really designed for, for podcasters. And um, like we talked about earlier, it's meant to be a project management system. So it's, it's kind of, it was born out of um, Ralph uh, and I, our frustration with not having the tools that we wanted when we were pod, pod, podcasting and, you know, trying to run a show and I'd have an idea and then I'd scribble it on a little piece of paper or put it in Evernote or stick it in Google Docs and have no idea where they went and then try to put an episode together and, you know, just patchworking a lot of things together. So we, we were like, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and so we kind of just started building this tool for uh, people who we're using a lot of disparate things, you know, people use Trello and people use Google Docs and people use Evernote and people use, you know, Calendly and insert tool here. And so Podcasters Toolbox was kind of meant to be a, a one-stop shop for managing all of your episodes, your guests, your calendars, um, your script, your workflows, um, your, you know, interacting with your fans. So all, all in one podcast management. Okay. I want an enterprise version for people like us. 
So we can take care of the whole production process for our clients and do like a whole agency thing. And we just sort it out on the back end and make things magically happen for the client. And I'm also thinking about um, for the podcast managers and the podcast VA, this, you know, we're editing just a piece of that and full service shops um, who are editing and doing all the support stuff, the marketing, all you know, all the post-production things. Theoretically, you could use it. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. If you if you're really trying, if what you're doing is trying to put together an episode where you know you you're building it from idea through the process right to hey, it's now launched on my uh, media host. It's not specifically designed for editors from an editing standpoint. It doesn't actually perform any editing functionality, um, but it's it's mostly for the project management side of it. But you can do you can manage more than one podcast and more than one show if that's what you're asking. So the reason I ask is because we've been talking about this not on the show, which we probably should have an episode on it soon, but we've been talking a lot about project management between ourselves privately and client portals and that sort of thing. And I'm thinking in terms of like a full service agency where you do handle all the marketing pieces. Finding a service that takes all these different things that we do into account in podcasting is impossible. And we're now we're putting them together like piecemeal and there's not like a one solution for us without having to have Zapier integration for this and an API connection for that. And okay, maybe this is something I think about for the future because I like giving people work. So here's your homework. I need you to build me that. I need like an entire creative agency model for podcasters, for podcast production, something I can fit into my operating expenses. So I can have a copywriter, I can have the social media person, the editors, and have all those pieces. And I just have a company or individual who comes to me and gets all that taken care of through me. Then I use your product to manage the workflow, manage the delivery, communication, everything with the client. And all they see is the progress that's going on. And I'm happy, they're happy, and we're all making money. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually added up all that I spend on a monthly basis or would spend if I hadn't gotten some AppSumo deals. And for the workflow that I have with Zapier and ClickUp and integrations with other tools, I'm at like $130 a month just baseline in order to make this happen because of the tool integrations in order because I've got one client that's got five five shows in Asana, so she's not going to log into my software to put her stuff. So I need that Zapier integration, like all of that stuff. Like I got to that and I was like, oh, like <laughs> it's a lot, right? And it still doesn't work right. I still have to manage the system. I'll leave that there. Well, I'm assuming, so can you have multiple shows on your account? Mm -hmm. Well, what we do have is the ability for people to collaborate. So if someone has a podcast and they hire someone like you as an editor, or they hire someone to do transcripts or show notes, or they you know hire different people for different pieces, all of those people can collaborate on the same show um, through their own accounts. So we could create shows under our account and then give access to our clients based on their show. Ideally, in your scenario, you'd probably want your clients to have an account and then have you as their collaborator because they may have more people. So they may have you that they're working with as an editor. They may have somebody else who they're using to do their marketing. So um, the, the podcast is kind of the central hub, at least as it stands right now. So the 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 tool is really designed for for the actual podcaster as the hub. Mm. And then all of the people who that podcaster works with can collaborate together. So I don't know if we mentioned it. Where can people, if they are interested in the Podcasters Toolbox, where can they go? Oh, well, you can visit podcasterstoolbox.com. There's a waiting list. We're just signing people up for now until registration is open. And uh, we'll let everybody know when it is. And I just want to close by saying we had a lot, there was a lot of words today about Profit First and a lot of things that sounded very mathy. But it's really not a complicated system, and anybody who is worried about trying it should not be. Just, like, go get the book and jump in. Get a worksheet. Throw some percentages out there. You'll you'll be very glad you did. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, like, really focusing. Well, first off, buying this book. I have it in my Amazon cart. I'm going to buy it as soon as we get off here. Uh, but also kind of implementing this to have, like, a better understanding of the finances rather than just kind of being whimsical about it and lackadaisical. And I will definitely say that I set up the system this week. A ton of stress just went away when I did it because I know all my bills are covered. And then it was nice to see that, like, 
I got paid. Yeah, you'd be surprised by what you can do with what you have mm-hmm. and not spending money. It's it's real easy to spend money when you're not thinking about it. But once you start, and especially once you flip that mindset and you're like, where can I save money instead of where can I spend money? Then you, you really do start to think differently about it. And, and you kind of almost save money without even trying at that point because you're like, yeah, you know, I actually, I'm fine without this, you know, but it never would have occurred to you. And those, those little, you know, that death by a thousand cuts, every little dollar on that credit card bill, every $5 a month charge, everything you just go, eh, I'll deal with it next month. That adds up big time. So this will make you pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Carolyn. I feel like we could have a lot of conversations about like business stuff. So we're going to have to have you back. Thank you for having me. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest, little form there to make sure that we know what you want to talk about. And we'd love to see about getting you on the show. And I guess that's it for us. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com, Instagram at Carrie Eric. Not appearing in this episode is Jennifer Longworth of Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. You can find her on social media as KY Podcasting or go right to her website, bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. I'm Brian Itzminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. I'm Daniel Avendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. And it was a pleasure having Carolyn Rivera from Podcasters <laughs> Toolbox who's join us. Thank you, everybody, for listening to me, even though I'm a hot mess. And thank you, everybody else, for being super smart. We will see you next time. And don't forget, you can join our live streams every other Thursday, 8.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Come join the Facebook group, Podcast Editors Mastermind, to get all the details. Sign up for our newsletter as well to get those alerts. Bye, y'all. Uh, um, so how much is that? With us today, tonight, with us right now. Line whoops oh. um <laughs> oh my goodness i see some outtakes coming carrie <laughs> <laughs> not this bad all right oh yeah stop recording <laughs>